Yeah, I want to look at your search history, Elio. I think it's probably interesting. Oh yeah, please do. Yeah, well, no, I'd love I'd love a psychologist to look at it and tell me tell me what I'm all about. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Human Element Cares podcast on modern marketing. I am so excited to be joined by Elio Lagrua, strategy right. director here at Care Global. How'd I do, Elio? That was perfect pronunciation. Even, right. even better than uh, I've managed in some times in my life. <laughs> I, I love the accent. What kind of accent is that? So it's uh, it's close to Liverpool. It's a place called Birkenhead, which is yeah. just over the water from, from Liverpool. So, Elio, I feel like we should get this out in the open right this minute. Yeah. Are you a I Liverpool know. fan? I'm a, well, our family's blue. Everton. Oh, you're, so you're an Everton fan. Yeah, right, well, yeah. I like you more already. Oh, yeah, that's good. Okay. <laughs> I'm a diehard Manchester United fan, so I find Everton a whole lot more tolerable than Liverpool. So let's jump in. Tell us a little bit about your role. And then from there, we're going to talk a little bit about audio and voice, because you've spent some time kind of putting together a paper on that. Yeah, sure have, yeah. So so I'm a strategic director here at uh, Carat London, working on the, the global team. The role involves really understanding the client's business, their brand, their, their consumers, and then taking that understanding to develop a, a strategic approach yep. that helps them orchestrate their, their media, technology, and, and creative activities to essentially better connect with consumers and ultimately grow their business and their brand. Because one of the things you got to do is find the insight, right? Like take mountains of information and turn that into something that's compelling and insightful sort of motivation. How do you do that work? So I think the first element that I, I go through, and perhaps I'm going a little bit broader than what I need to, is scour every source that I've got at my disposal. So that yeah. might be internal sources like our consumer connection study, yep. external sources, for example, social listening or, or search behavior, yep. but also keeping abreast of you know, what I know is this in terms of human behavior and cultural shifts. As your question indicates, then the challenge is then to look at the, the nuggets in there that can really be distinctive and actionable for, for a brand to, to have a, a positioning that's going to help them, you know, drive forward their business. And to do that, I think it's like anything in this vocation, it's something that the more you do the craft, the more you're able to notice what yep. is just an understanding that is not really going to be able to have the actionable results compared to a real insight that's going to differentiate their brand yep. from everyone else in the market. So you recently were in the process of publishing a paper that you authored, The Future of Voice is Visual. Yeah. I love the title, by the way. You did a great job with the provocative title. So tell us, what does that mean? So what the piece is about is essentially how smart speakers and voice assistants are now not only offering us an audio response to the questions and, and commands that we, we speak to these machines and, and technology, but they're also giving us visual content as well. Mm. So, for example, these voice-enabled screens such as Alexa Show or Google Nest, they're a good example of the evolution of the voice space. Yep. And so what I speak about in the article, I highlight how the addition of images, text and, and video to the voice experience ultimately will help overcome some of the challenges that have held back brands from activating in that space. And what are those challenges that have held brands back from activating in, in audio? Just to give a bit of context, we've been hearing about the future of audio every year for maybe the past five years yeah. or so. And I think there's a lot of good reasons for that. 
It's a people-literate technology, takes away the barrier of us accessing digital content. People even develop emotional connections with yeah. these devices. And for brands, it offers the opportunity to have a fluid conversation or at least interaction with consumers. So the hype is justified, but late last year, Walk and eMarketer begin to, and a few other commentators began to question some of the hype around it. Yeah, I think the reasons for that are it's challenging for brands in a number of ways. One, brands have built video planning principles just about catching up with the the mobile revolution, and so it's very difficult for them to now pivot to a, a new auditory medium. And when we think of Times Square. There's a reason Times Square is the way it is. You know, what we see is a really driver of brand effectiveness. Mm. You know, brands have a visual legacy and, and visual cues. So just to complete some of the challenges that, that I speak about in the article might be the potential is for, for commerce, but if you can't see the product that you're buying... Are you really going to buy it? Exactly. Unless you really know what it is. Exactly, and yeah. that's where the visual element yeah. comes in because instead of just having the, the one spoken word response that the algorithms of Google choose, if you could potentially have a few options there and you can see the product, that's going to secure confidence for you to say, okay, Google, put yeah. it in my shopping basket. How do you help clients think about how to engage? You know, a lot of clients are hesitant to jump into something new and not that audio is that new, but I mean, for some clients it still is. How, how are you helping them say, look, this is worth a pilot or here's how to get started or do you have a, a framework that you kind of use to help them jump in? The first starting point has to be the audience and the audience's behavior. And that has to validate that right now this is going to drive some results for you because it has the penetration as smart speakers do. I think it's 25% of the US population and next year 41% of the population will be, they predict, speaking to voice assistants. Yeah. So you have to show that, look, there's enough of your consumers utilizing these devices for it to have an effect on your business at the moment. But I think the real opportunity, and this is sometimes a challenge with senior stakeholders who are you know being held to kpis on a yep. monthly basis is the long-term opportunity yeah. and it's once this technology expands in penetration becomes useful enough for it to be adopted widespread and that that becomes a normal way for us to engage with images and videos and text in the case of voice how are you going to be prepared for that future if you haven't had a a little test and learn yep. beforehand. A lot of the arguments would be showing that this is the direction that the media is heading. And really, it's not something you can jump into cold. You have to you have to test and learn. You have to develop a, a data strategy so you can begin understanding how consumers are speaking to you on your call center via a chatbot. Through those learnings, you can then activate and develop and optimize and be prepared for the future. Like funding's always a challenge, right? Like how do you get clients to set aside just a little bit of seed funding to do something different or something new? Do you have a little trick for doing that? I think the optimal... Other than your sheer charisma. Yeah, I, I, I doubt that's going to sway much. <laughs> the optimal solution in a big client would be to have a framework for test and learn. Some of the FMCG experience that I've had in the past would allow contributions from anywhere in the business 
and then some senior stakeholders within the organization would assess those contributions, develop a KPI plans to see whether the test and learn solution is effective and then that would be funded by a separate pot of budget yeah. because if the if the budget is always within the brand manager's hands then they're obviously going to be reluctant to try out something that hasn't had proven results yeah. beforehand it's easier to put in an environment that may not have the same kind of hard-coded kpis meaning if i keep the budget out of the brand manager and hold it either an innovation budget higher up in the organization. It may not have the same kind of day in, day out or monthly sales numbers. That gives me more flexibility with the budget. Exactly. Yeah. You, you you take it away from those pressures that yep. your brand managers are facing in terms yep. of delivering next week and next yep. month. And you ensure that the business has a, a framework for testing out new initiatives. And yep. in this ever-changing media landscape, that is the only way you're really going to future-proof yep. your business against the changes that are inevitable. Yeah, because what you test today may be the significant scaled opportunity tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get back to your paper for a minute, because one of the things I liked about it was you spent a bit of time talking a bit about how China is kind of leading the way in this voice-to-visual arena. Can you explain a bit more about what that means? We can often look to what's happening in the East for inspiration and mm. potentially it's a very different market, but potentially it can give us some indication of what's on the horizon for yep. us in the West. Particularly in terms of voice, there's a unique dynamic within the Asian markets where it takes a long time to type. Yes. There is, particularly within China, a different set of rules around data so the difference between a successful voice response and an unsuccessful one can essentially make the difference between people using it and not using it. And if you have more data about the user and about the context they are in, you're able to give them a more appropriate answer to the questions they're asking the smart speaker. In these respects, what we've seen in China is the adoption of voice is very strong Three of the top five manufacturers are from, from China. And when we looked at the singles day sale, which is the equivalent to our Black Friday, yep. I think there was one million sales come from voice-activated purchase. The last Which thing, is remarkable. I'm sorry, it's just oh, remarkable. Yeah. Now, I understand in China you can get a million people to do anything because they're so in the population so large, but that's still a big number. Yeah. yeah. In terms of buying a product with your voice, yeah, it definitely is. What I would like to suggest that might have been a factor there is that 60% of Baidu's smart speakers actually have a screen embedded within them. And that could be a key difference when you're buying a product because you do have the ability to see more contextual information about the product, see the alternatives. And I think that is going to just give you that confidence to purchase. So when you think about sort of useful or either innovative or great client examples here, not necessarily even just ours. Could you share a few of those? Broadly speaking, in the in the voice space, I might refer to one or two of ours because yeah, go ahead. Let's sorry, do it. Sorry for the bad sell, but we do have we do <laughs> have different spokes. We're usually more Elliot, we're usually more subtle in this podcast. <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm kidding. The unique thing is okay, Dentsu, we don't have the creative agency legacy that some of our big competitor holding groups do have. But what we have established is as close to a unique P&L model within the landscape. And we have multiple spokes to the organization and it allows for integration between creative technology and media that doesn't exist elsewhere. And a good example of that, in answer to your question, 
StoryLab produced Westworld, the high production quality interactive narrative on Alexa mm-hmm. that people could navigate the Westworld world yeah. with their voice. Mm. The difference with this was the actors were involved in the production of it, so the stakes were raised and you know had a massive engagement. The dwell time, if you can call it that, in terms of people utilising the experience uh, was very long. So I think that's a good example of when you do something different within the voice space, when you expand the technology in terms of helping it, bringing it closer to its potential, as the high production value of this initiative demonstrated, consumers will engage with the voice experience. Yeah. I believe there's a Diageo example you like? Oh, yeah. The Diageo example is nice because it fits into this idea of having the screens integrated with the smart speaker activity. So Diageo had a mixology initiative where you could ask how to make different cocktails. The difference with this, instead of the smart speaker just telling you step by step, like with a recipe, how to make the cocktail, that information was also included on the screen. So as users navigated the experience, they could also see the cocktail being prepared in front of them if they had a you know, a Google Home, right. Nest, or or an Alexa Show device. One of the things I like about this example, and, and I think is interesting about this particular space, is that you've got utility, you've got education, you've got potentially entertainment, all sort of these key human needs, right? Things that we as marketers try to tap into colliding at the same time. And I think that's an interesting example that sort of reflects that. Oh, definitely. Yeah, And I think the issue is, it's been too focused on utility so far. So me- <laughs> many of the use- a little joy helps. A little joy and a little emotion <laughs> yeah. in the space. And I think the two examples that you know, the Adjo being one example and Westworld being another, the Story Lab initiative, yep. they both demonstrate how you can bring in that emotional component. Yeah. The issue, if I can highlight another challenge with sure. the voice space, is that what eMarketer and, and Walk criticised about some of the hype around voices. They're saying that many of the use cases are based on this command and control behavior, that in fact, the voice searches are not really for things that brands can enter into, but they're like, what time is it? Tell me about the weather. We can't really sponsor the weather results because we can't have ads in there. What I believe is as the screen enters and is integrated with that voice user experience, it's going to give more space for those emotive experiences we know that consumers love video content we know that image is you know an important part of a brand's assets and so once that screen is part of the experience then definitely things can move from utility to more emotive and educational experiences that brands can benefit from what is the next logical evolution, right? So I've got a Google Home and it's got a screen that's, you know, I don't know, whatever, three and a half, four inches or maybe a little bigger than that. I don't know. It's not very big is my point. My question is, at what point in time does that get to the larger screen in the home? How much of this activity is taking place on a TV, the marrying of voice with visual in this regard, in an assistant-based model, is that still to come? It's happening in its embryonic form at the moment. You know, Samsung connected TVs, they offer the ability to control, uh, as does, uh, you know, your Fire Stick of Amazon, control some of the functionality with your voice. 
I think the next stage is when, when we're able to maybe ask your speaker about booking a hotel and then you might be get the initial result on your phone and then at a simple voice command, you can send those results yep. to the TV. Yep. And once we have the integration between those, those technologies, then the difference between having it on your phone and having it on your TV is just a technological challenge. Yep. yep. Yeah, it doesn't matter at that point. Yeah. One of the things I've thought a lot about as it relates to audio specifically and voice is obviously Google has been insanely successful, right? Intergalactically successful, really with a single product line. And that is, you know, online search. Mm-hmm. Voice is clearly a massive disruptor to that. I guess I wonder, have you thought about yourself or your colleagues sort of what the implications are for Google of voice as you've got this intermediary device or provider in Alexa or other providers in front of online search? From what I know, the shift in in the search landscape is essentially, for example, if I'm searching on Amazon, I might look at a more category level, show me the hoodies, show me the trainers. Mm -hmm. Amazon has all this data about the best-selling products and can insert its even own products within that space. Whereas on Google, there's a slightly different behavior where I might be asking about a Nike hoodie or Adidas trainers. When we bring in the discussion about smart speakers and search, I think the interesting shift there is you only have one search result within the smart speakers that are sitting across millions of homes because they've been given away with... The current installed base. The current base of smart speakers that have been given away with price promotions. There's only one search result coming out from that space. From Google's point of view, obviously you're missing out on the advertising revenue because... Because there's only one result and because the experience for the user is so paramount to them continuing to use the smart speaker, they really can't insert ads in there and monetize yeah, the it. the monetization is much more limited. Definitely. Yep. Once again, I go back to the possibility though, if there is that element, then potentially they can begin selling ad inventory because it would be less disturbing to, to see the ad there on the screen than it would be to hear an ad on your smart speaker. Yep. So I think it's an opportunity for Google, but it's also an opportunity for for brands looking to enter into that environment. Yep. Anything else in the writing of the paper or the thinking about the paper that struck you that you want to share? I think that essentially voice is going to be a revolution in terms of allowing us to engage with the digital world in in new and exciting ways. I wrote an article last year about how audio and particularly spoken word audio takes away some of the stress and some of the pressure that comes from from the digital world that we have in its current guise, Mm. where you have to pick up the phone, you have some sort of content being delivered to you algorithmically that perhaps you wouldn't have desired to to see. And audio really allows you to step back from the clutter of that space and have a more peaceful engagement with with all the wonderful content that exists in the world. It's incredibly intimate. It is intimate and immersive and you feel a connection with the people who who are speaking. Yeah. Now, I don't think this article that I'm writing now that I've recently wrote negates all that because it's just all about lowering the barrier and making it more intuitive in terms of the way we activate this you know the wonderful world of internet enabled possibilities around us 
if I really don't have to lean over in a crunched way and type into a small screen, <laughs> I'll just be glad for, for that, to be honest. Well, I mean, you know, it's funny, you're making a joke there at the end, but it is a huge discussion point right now, which is the physical and mental demands and toll that these devices and their current configuration create on the body. You know, that's a real active discussion right now. And to your point, does voice help us get out from under some of that stuff? You know, does it reduce this idea of screen dependency or does it, you know, sort of the dopamine hit of it? Is it less intrusive in that regard? Yeah, I believe so. The one issue that I think has to be concerned is for this future to be realized, we have to figure out, or the technology companies have to figure out how they're going to balance the demand that users have for that convenience, for that lower barrier to interaction, and their demand for, for privacy. And yeah. really these, these are two factors pulling in the opposite direction. There is some positive shifts that I think part of the issue is, if I understand it correctly, putting all the data in the cloud. And if some of these voice-enabled devices could work within their location and perform the operation that they need to perform, we won't really have the, the privacy issues that we'd see when, when we know that potentially, as I'm speaking to my partner in the living room, that that might be being calculated yep. in Silicon Valley for some of the keywords that are, are being listened yep. to. So yep. I think that's some of the, the tension there, but it is an exciting future. I think it could be great for consumers. And I think also there is going to be the need for investment and that's where advertisers can come to help develop the space and, and contribute to its growth and, and ultimately bring value to, to the consumers that want to benefit from everything that having a lower barrier to interact than with the digital world brings. Real quickly, we do this thing called the lightning round. Are you ready to participate in the lightning round? I most certainly <laughs> am. You're going to cheat? You're going to look at you? There's no cheating, Elio. These are right off the top of your head. Okay, off the top of my head. All I right, go, go freestyle. Eyes closed. Right. Hit me. Favorite digital experience? Favorite digital experience. Since we're speaking about voice, I have to say the Westworld because I think StoryLab done an amazing job of developing yep. you know, an interactive experience. They had the benefit that you're working with a great platform in sure. terms of that, that story. But that's where I'd like to see the space go in, in the future, giving people the opportunity to interact with audio in exciting ways. Do you have a favorite podcast? Like It's a bit tricky with some of the podcasts because I go into them on a topic basis. So okay. when I'm looking into something, when I'm interested in a particular area, I'll type that in. Yep. And whoever's developed the podcast, yep. and they that can really be the long tail of podcast topics because I go to some yep. some very strange paces in terms of my audio <laughs> audio listening habits. But in terms of some of the big ones, I love listening to Russell Brand. Yeah. Also also Joe Rogan. You yep. know, obviously I'm interested in some MMA and and I think those sort of spaces they they're allowing us to speak about things. We live in a very polemic age of everything's black and white, Brexit or remain. Yeah. And I think the ambiguity and the openness for two opposing ideas to come together in with two microphones and discuss mm. all the nuances of that are bringing a lot of people to podcasts because yeah. it allows for that open discussion and that that's really what's going to help us come together. Elio, that's the definition of intelligence, the ability to hold two competing ideas in your head at the same time. Google or Alexa? 
tricky one, but it has to be Google. I hope they fulfill all the promises they've, they've made. All right, there you go. Best piece of content you've recently consumed can be anything. Podcast, movie, Netflix, book. There's some Chinese films that I've been watching recently, and there's two ones I never really cry in the cinema, but these, these two are definitely watch it. One's called Farewell, and it's about a Chinese-American who goes back to see her grandma. I won't give anything away, but her grandma's dying, and the culture in China is that they, they don't tell the grandma that she's actually dying. Mm. So that's a lovely, heartwarming family story. Another one from China that I really enjoyed is So Long My Son, and that's another one that, you know, social realism, but it'll have you crying at the end. Elio, I, I want you to be comfortable and certain in the fact that no one has ever mentioned either of those two examples when I asked this question. So that is that is a unique oh, answer. Good. Thank you for that. <laughs> Most used social platform. So I'm maybe not as technologically up to date on all the cool platforms in terms of the way I utilize them. So I'll be honest here and I'll say that it's got to be just WhatsApp in terms of keeping close with my close friends and family and just enjoying the the world garden that that provides. Yeah. Thing people should know about you, but they don't. I like to dance to let off steam, and that dancing doesn't involve any alcohol or other stimulants. It's just for the, the pleasure of, of moving to some groovy beats. I love that. Dances in your soul. Yeah, I'd say so. There's a big movement of conscious dancing, ecstatic dance, and I just think it, it helps release some of the tension that builds up in this crazy media industry we, we work in. And that is a place to leave it. Elio, I can't thank you enough. You've been absolutely fantastic. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Robert. One last thing I forgot to ask. You're less than 24 hours from your bachelor party? Oh, yeah. Loudy mentioned that. I thought it was going to be a secret. So, yeah, we're actually... Nothing is a secret on this podcast. We call it a stag do, and I'm off to Hamburg with... uh, Ten of the boys tomorrow, and it's you know. If what I come could back with, possibly go wrong, Elio? Yeah, if I come back with two eyebrows, I've I've done very well. <laughs> that is about the lowest bar I've ever heard. Alive with two eyebrows. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much, Elio. Thanks, Robert. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the Human Element. Remember, you can find us anywhere you find your pods, and please do subscribe or give us a like. We will be back out to you real soon. Bye bye.